Welcome to Horror Movie Talk Special, The Haunting of Hill House After Show. On a normal episode, we would review and discuss one horror film in detail for this series of 10 or more episodes, depending if we want to do a summary episode. We will have a opinionated and accidentally funny discussion on each episode of The Haunting of Hill House, one of our absolute favorite series on Netflix. Your expert hosts each week are Dr. Bryce Hansen, that's me. I hold a PhD in spookology and Professor David Day, the foremost expert in Scarenonos. So, with no further ado, the haunting of Hill House after show with horror movie talk. We got a great show. We're going to start out strong. Um, we'll start out by giving a brief synopsis of the episode, and then we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the episode. Today, we're going to talk about episode one called Stephen Sees a Ghost, which is the lamest possible title for an episode. Steven sees a ghost. Who is a spooky fright? Well, <laughs> hey, Steven, can you tell us about the ghost that you saw? Uh, well, I saw it and I was afraid. Uh, back to you in the studio. <laughs> What's it like out there in the in the woods? Well, it's no, it's no inside, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back inside. <laughs> um... So yeah, the, in this first episode of the series, we're introduced to the Crane family, both past and present. First, we're shown the young Crane family being awoken by the young Nell, played by little Violet McGraw, who apparently had seen the Bent Neck Lady. Yeah, the Bent Neck Lady. Yeah. What a great... That's exactly what a little kid would call yeah. uh, a ghost. Yeah. They would call it by its by the way it appears to them. Right. Uh, her father, Hugh Crane, play, the young Hugh Crane, is played by Henry Thomas, which you might recognize from E.T. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he was uh, Elliot yeah. uh, in E.T. And uh, he explains to Nell how her dreams spilled over and that she was just imagining seeing the scary lady. Jumping forward to present-ish day, um, where we see all the children now as adults with adult problems and extreme amount of baggage in relation to the Hill House. Something terrible happened in the past that led the family to flee from the house, and now in the present, it seems that that house is calling back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first episode really establishes that this house is a strong presence and you know something is very wrong and something went very wrong there and we're given no clues as to what is happening um barely see any actual like ghosts Boy. like we don't really see the bent neck lady very much in bit. this episode a little bit a little bit um but yeah it's a fantastic episode this is this i think this is my only second the second time watching this series this is my second time watching it as well um you know we should we should mention uh we were lucky enough to have early access to the bly manor um series and we did a we did a um a series of after pods or i should, should after say shows. after shows about about bly manor upon its release and it did so well and so many people liked it and uh that they they asked for us to do a series of after shows for the haunting of hill house um which to me i i liked hill house even more than I liked Bly Manor, yeah. so I, I was obliged to do it because I, I do not mind going back to this series. Yeah, as I've gotten some space from Bly Manor, while I still think that it's the same quality of show, um, Hill House is definitely better. 
Yes. Like a lot better. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and this is what I would, this yeah. is what I was saying. And I, I, I thought you might've forgotten a little bit how, how hard Hill House goes. It goes hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also just a much more compelling story. Yes. To where it's like, yeah, there is kind of the same kind of like past present yes. kind of thing happening and a lot of like crossover things and like stories weaving together. But in essence, Bly Manor is about the, 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 uh, not the taming of the shrew, the, the turn of the, of the screw. screw, the turn of the screw. Yeah. And it's basically just an O pair. I got criticized on our voicemail, an O pair watching after these orphan children and scary stuff happens, which is just not super compelling compared to an entire family experiencing different, uh, hauntings, elements of terror and terror in their shared house and then as adults like reliving it or recounting it well but also i mean and they're they're very similar in their approach to um character building they're both very character centric um but but bly manor is much more tame it's it's much it's much it's much more somber and sad yeah whereas hill house is much scarier and um but they both are very good at this element of making you empathetic with this person, seeing why they are the way they are, even if they're a reprehensible human being. Yeah. Um, they are, they're not beyond you feeling bad for them at some point. Right. Once you understand their story, um, which is, which is brilliant of Mike Flanagan. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a testament to his, uh, ability and his, his intent to to kind of describe everyone as having their own backstory and you should you should probably consider whenever you run into someone who you find reprehensible what is it that made them this mm-hmm. way because they were once just like you just innocent and they had bad things happen to them and that's what, one of the things that I liked about about your little quick synopsis here. You say, jumping forward, we see all the children now as, an, as adults with adult problems and an extreme amount of baggage in relation to the Hill House. And this is what I like about both of these series is, and this because I th- spend so much time thinking about this, which is mm-hmm. what made me the way I am. Mm. What is going? How is the thing that I'm doing now? for my daughters going to affect who they become. Right. Um, what for people who I find it hard to empathize with, like my dad, why is he the way he is? Mm-hmm. It's a sad story. Yeah. It's a sad story. And it, these make it easier for me to deal with the world. Yeah. Um, because it makes me more thoughtful. Yeah. So before we get into spoilers, let's just take a minute to, to plug ourselves a little bit. Um, if you're new to Horror Movie Talk, um, you should check out our website, horrormovietalk.com. There you'll find links to all our social media. Um, go find our Facebook group. It's very active and very fun. Lots of friendly people there that are huge horror fans. Um, we post new episodes of our regular podcast every Wednesday where we review one horror movie. We usually try to um, review every new release, but, you know, as you can imagine, right now during COVID shutdowns, there's not a lot of new releases. Speaking of which, we got to do the craft. I think there's a new craft coming out. Yeah. Um, 
And if you want to leave us a voicemail, call our number 682-253-4468 and let us know how we're doing. If you like or hate the show, yeah, don't, it, don't leave us a one-star review. Just call us yeah. and yell at us directly. Yeah. yeah, put your money where your mouth is, show up on the show, and we'll take we'll we'll take your criticism and we'll play it for everyone to hear. And uh and you know, if you do like the show, consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's the best way to support the show. Um we patreon.com slash horror movie talk and there's all kinds of bonus content on there mm-hmm. for for a year and a half worth of bonus content on there. So, you know, check that out. Yeah. So thanks again for listening. So let's get into spoilers and talk more details about this episode. Spoilers. Uh, Okay, so spoiler alert. Uh, We're just going to be talking about everything in the episode. But this is a, what, two-year, three-year-old show on Netflix, so... It's really, you know, your fault if you're listening right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a ton of, like, specific points to talk about. Just more generally going through impressions on the episode. Because yeah. there's not a lot in this episode other than setup. Um, but uh, it really um, establishes the framework with which this story is going to be told. Uh, mainly that it's going to be told in the past when the family is much younger mm-hmm. and the kids, probably the oldest is, you know, what, 12, 11, 12. Yeah. Steven is the oldest and that's, you know, what the episode is titled after. Um, and then goes down to probably Steven's like a go. four, four or five. Um, and then it, it shows the present day and all the kids are grown up. And the dad has grown up, and the mom has not grown up. So something something happened there. Uh, but really, this reminded me how good of a device this is, because... Yeah, this is this, very useful. This is what happens in It, and like other... Stephen King's It, the adaptation uh, onto onto the screen, or both the book and the screen adaptation. Right. There's, uh, what are some other movies or shows that do this where they do past and present memento (laughs) Memento. uh anyways it's just really compelling to see like childhood and then what the adults are now benjamin button (laughs) (laughs) all right childhood um so yeah it's it's very effective and and it's a really cool way to to frame this because you see the effects of childhood trauma basically yeah, and um, how it how it's different for everyone. Oh, it's uncanny. Uh, you know, it's interesting that they have all these kids. You know that this family is comprised of all these kids. How many? I think it's five kids. There's two boys and three girls. There's the youngest girl. There who, is who is the ghost in this episode. So um, there's who's played by Steven. There's Shirley, Luke, Theodora, and Nell. Yeah, Nell is played by the same young lady who plays Danny, the au pair, in Bly Manor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't really. <laughs> there's some people in this, I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, me too. I didn't, I didn't realize Danny was, yeah. was uh, Nell in this. 
Yeah, Henry Thomas is obvious. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's pretty hard because they look so different between then, the two shows. Yes. Well, they, they use contacts on him in this show, I think. Or they might use contacts on him. No, okay. he does have naturally brown eyes and they put blue eyes on him in this. So it makes him look real stark. Huh. Um and then, uh, and then the middle girl, uh, the lesbian, is the lady in the lake. Yeah, um, Kate so, Siegel. Yeah, Kate Siegel, who is the the lesbian in Hill House, is the um, is the lady in the lake in Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. There are going to be plenty of spoilers throughout this uh, series of after shows for uh, the haunting of Bly Manor. So, yeah. just be, FYI, be, be prepared. But uh, you know, anyway, so. Lots of lots of uh, Mike Flanagan is, is is a director and producer writer that seems to uh, like S- Steven Spielberg or Quentin Tarantino have a a stable of reliable actors and actresses who he prefers to to give work to and work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially this is more of an anthology anthology show where it's between the two shows it uses at least 50 percent of the cast yeah and then but but you know more to my point i mean the mother in hill house is used in another mike flanagan movie one of my favorites gerald's game Uh Um, she's the the main actress there and kate siegel is also in hush which is directed by flanagan oh is she is she the main actress in hush Uh uh-huh i'll be i'll be darned yeah and she also wrote it all all of them are so beautiful like all these all these, all the people cast in this show. Are- yeah, that's one of the things. Like all of these people, they look like they could be family, and the older versions and the younger versions are really close. The casting is unbelievable because they're all fantastic actors, the children and the adults, and they look and they look dead on. Yeah. Specifically, I'm thinking of, and I'm I'm sure you are as well. The oldest daughter is cast. And uh-huh. her and her and her younger counterpart. Look, I mean, they're. I didn't. I didn't do any research into this, but it would not surprise me at all if they're mother and daughter. Right. So I'm, I'm going to look at this up now. Um. So that is Shirley, right? Young Shirley is Lulu Wilson. Old Shirley is Elizabeth Reeser. So no, I can't believe they're not. They're not related. Um. Like even the ones where it's like a weird looking awkward kid growing up into uniquely different awkward yeah like kind of a beautiful man yeah like that's the the younger the younger uh brother who then becomes an addict yeah luke was Mm -hmm. it uh luke crane um who was also in the actor that plays old luke crane was um peter in Bly Manor. Yeah, this is this is one of you know like Bly Manor, like all Mike Flanagan productions. It seems like just the casting is off the charts good. Yeah, off the charts good. So, anyways, it it goes back and forth, and really the story um, in the past that we find out is one. It just sets up that the kids are starting to see things and it appears like the dad doesn't believe or is just trying to comfort them and say like it's okay it's not real it's all in your head you know or in a spooky house like you're you're just dreaming yeah and the premise here is this family bought this big palatial estate to fix it up and then sell because this is what they do this is how they make their money they flip houses right and i don't even think they 
Do they mention that? Yeah. In this episode? I don't yeah, remember he, that being mentioned. So the the little boy and the little girl at night, at the, kind of at the start of the episode, are talking to their dad, and he's explaining dreams to them, and they're like, can, when can we leave this house? And he's like, we're, you know, we're, your mom and I are going to fix it up, and then we're, and then we have to put it on the market, and then somebody has to buy it, and then, and then we'll move. Just like last time, and just like we're going to do right, again. Right. So, <clears throat> so they... Um, it also establishes that it's a very rational family. Right. Like it talks about, um, you know, the the housekeeper is starting to try to indoctrinate um, one of the children about Christianity and the that, there's, boy, that yeah. there's real Steven. darkness, you know, in the world and, and that Jesus is the light. And then Carla... Uh, the mom. Yeah, Gugino, Olivia Crane, um, the mother comes in and basically explains like dresses are down kind of yeah just like we don't really indoctrinate our kids about any one thing they're well educated in all world religions and that he's the torah he's the- familiar with the bible and the torah and the talmud and the yeah. quran and all this stuff and and so it establishes that these are not crazy people well, These look, are... that's a certain variety of crazy in my book. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like like <clears throat> it, it, like if you this is the thing. Like, I am always, I am always suspect of of people that put too much effort into their children. <laughs> no, that's not that's not at all what you're twisting my words. Um, no, I'm saying that's that's me. Oh, like shut up. Just, I mean, they'll be okay. Like, look, look. Here's what I'm talking. Spending about. a I do little wanna, too much time. I do. On I do think this is yours. worth talking about. So, um, so I'm. I grew up Christian. I was very much, um, very much, uh, what do you call it? indoctrinated. Right. They put me in a Christian school. Right. I went to church every fucking Sunday. The whole thing. I, I memorized Bible verses for the first part of my life. Mm-hmm. Literally. Just right. memorize, 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 memorize. And, um, and so, you know, at some point in my life, I... I became an atheist and uh and my dad said what are you doing we wasted so much money on your christian education uh which actually i'm very thankful for because uh, i do feel like i I got a little bit of a leg up uh Uh in terms of the the private education but uh now you know you you'd think i'd be a little bit more militant with my own kids but frankly i hope a lot of people come and approach them with their religions because and it doesn't bother me and i would never so if if my my daughter's uh, preschool teacher is like you know Jesus loves you and he loves me and God watches over us I don't I don't go you know actually you know actually um, we educate our daughter on all the different religions actually religion is a poison spread on the earth and yeah. it's the worst possible thing that humans have ever done in history right because that that in and of itself indicates that you're not terribly. Uh, steadfast in your belief that you know it's it's like that's a that's a reactionary little shit thing for you to do yeah you know it's like well actually there's there's also the talmud did you know that mm-hmm. like, okay bitch. and it's also just like a reaction of like i am so salty and angry that yeah. everyone's not like me right it's like and 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 it's also a knee-jerk reaction of being like of like protecting your kid, like remember, remember all this other stuff I taught you. Not just allowing them to remember it on their own and like right. and like internalize it. It's like it's almost as if you don't believe your own words. Kind of, it's just like well, yeah. 
if my daughter and if my daughter asks me about God, I'll tell her what I know about God. You're right. Because uh, it's just like whatever. So anyways, they they establish this family as like very intelligent and seemingly rational and, and and all that. And even when it jumps forward to the present day, it seems like they're all pretty level headed in terms of like, um, what would you call it? Just trying to be rational thinkers yeah rational thinkers yeah um probably actually over they're overcompensating right. towards the rational yeah. to try and yeah a little bit so anyways that so that's like what they set up in the past and then also um it shows the family just running away from the house and escaping in a like a midnight um escape from this house and their mother is not with them and so there's kind of a question of like what happened there and in the present day it's made pretty clear that their dad really never talked to him about what happened that night right even in adulthood like they don't talk about it. and what they do know about that night they learn from tabloids yeah because tabloids were very interested in what happened um at hill house um we know that the mother died or committed suicide or was killed one of those and yeah. we um, don't know exactly what happened, but we know something bad happened. Right. And um, so in the present day, it's basically all the children living pretty um, damaged lives in different ways. Yeah. Um, the two older children, so Stephen and Shirley, are kind of the the real stable older older. Yeah. Kids. Well-established jobs. Yeah, Shirley's like a, a mortuary person, mortician. Yeah, mortician. Yeah. And uh, Stephen is a is an acclaimed author. Yeah, that had his breakout hit writing about his own experiences in Hill House. Yeah, and and then the rest of the kids seem to not be on as stable footing. There's Theodora, which is living with Shirley in an adjoining house and she's um the lesbian not that there's anything wrong with that um that why would you say it like that <laughs> um that seems to be living kind of on the edge um just really about having a good time and and not forming attachments and she's got a weird thing with gloves and uh <laughs> With gloves. <laughs> and uh, and then everyone starts getting calls from their sister, Nell, that, who we saw as a young yeah. girl in the beginning. And everyone basically sends her to voicemail. And we're, Poor girl. We're she's, basically, she's in such trouble. Yeah, and we're basically told that she's kind of like the Nell that cried wolf. Like, she's always gotten into some kind of trouble or sounding the alarm and everything's an emergency even when she was a little kid it shows her like saying it's an emergency and um so they eventually kind of call her back and the dad calls her back and something's not right yeah she says to the dad she says the bentley bent neck lady's back right and and he is alarmed right like, he's across the country or something and he's like fuck yeah. We got to get moving. 
so something's happening there, um, and that's basically the the setup for the episode. What what we what is set up for the framework of the whole show, right? Is set up in this episode, um, specifically like the things that are revealed in this are that there's a bent neck lady. Um, we yeah. see her a couple times, catch oh, glimpses. Man. Dude, the way this the way this thing plays with the background. The, the background shots of things like moving around and shit. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Now that this is the second time I watched it, I've, you learn, you know, from just the internet that there's a lot of like hidden ghosts, like kind of like a where's Waldo. This is kind of also a where's Waldo for ghosts yeah. because in the background, just keep your eye open. There's going to be a bunch of like people in kind of like white shrouds or yeah. kind of like amorphous ghostly people yeah that aren't there when it shoots closer or, or whatever and so just keep your eyes open and it's <clears throat> it's not something that you notice first off when you're watching it but you do get a sense of like something you're uneasy because i think your subconscious sees Shit like shapes of people that are standing around um so the bent neck lady probably one of the best um early on scares is you're shown Nell when she's younger um, trying to sleep out in like the foyer or something because she's scared of the bent neck, bent neck lady in her it's room. It's pronounced foyer. Foyer. Um, and she's lying down on the couch and she opens her eyes and you just see this terrified look on her face. Yeah. Which is super effective. Yeah. And it pans back and shows this Ugh. you know dark haired lady hovering over the top of her and it's frightening. I gotta say, like, just remembering back to my first watching of this show, this is gonna, I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, uh, on, on the, the rest of these episodes. This is such a chillingly scary yeah. uh, show. It's so good at freaking me out. It's and set, set in the ambiance. Yeah, it's got such a great atmosphere, too. Yeah. It's like they start from the very beginning because it's like a, a monologue um, talking about the Hill House, which is we find out is an excerpt from Stephen's book, which is I can't I should probably should have copy pasted it. But, you know, um, just talking about, you know, the stones and the, the history of this house and how everyone's alone there and kind of stuff. And so it's like really setting this dark mood. And then it has these little vignettes um, throughout the series, but it starts early with episode one. Um, outside of the family, Stephen is interviewing a lady that mm -hmm. is haunted. And this this uh, monologue is fantastic. It's like this really spooky, self-contained ghost story that's beautiful and haunting and uh sad tragic sad and frightening when she she describes how her husband got in a car wreck and describes in detail how he died hanging upside down with a broken arm and and blood pooling in his face but blood pooling in his face in the rain and you know he's able to honk but he his arm is broken so he's yeah not able to do it consistently and how when she was sleeping in their bed that he appeared to her in that in that form form with with drips coming off of him onto her like actual water yeah and when he opened his mouth 
there is a Tom. loud car horn, um, like deafening car horn that came from him. And so it doesn't show any of this. It's all right. just described and you have this image in your head and it is. That's a really good point. Yeah, it, it is all just described there. A lesser, a lesser show would have, uh, would have showed it all. Right. And then given you the full picture and then given you a little jump scare at the end. Right. This just, this is just a woman staring into a camera, describing it beat by beat straight to you. Right. That's it. Just a story. And it's so effective yeah. because you have it all in your head. Yeah. And so Stephen is there to research for a new book, possibly. And he also seems to be like a paranormal investigator. Yes. He, as, uh, by virtue that. of, by virtue of the, uh, the kind of, uh, stories he writes, he's basically had to adopt the, the, the science behind right. debunking these things. So Cause he actually seems like he wants to prove to himself that, that the paranormal does exist. Right. It seems like, like he's very convinced it doesn't, but also there's a part of him that's like, this would make my my childhood make sense. So. Yeah, and he takes it from a rational perspective to where he's like, you know, there's no such thing as a supernatural. There's just things that we can't explain yet. And so he's kind of using a very, you know, scientific approach to it. And he reveals to this woman that he's never actually seen a ghost. Right. That all those experiences in his books were other people's experiences. Even and, down to his own house as a kid, yeah. he never saw a ghost in there. Yeah. So that's established. And then so he shows him through the course of the episode um, laying down in this bed and and having trying to have the experience of, you know, this ghost appear to him. And then it's revealed that the roof is leaky. Yeah. And that there's a stop sign outside that was taken off. And so there's near misses and people honking at each other. So there's all like rational explanations of how she could have woken up from a dream and conjured this up for herself. Yeah. And as he's telling her about it, she's becoming irate. You know, she's clear that, you know, why are you why are you tearing apart this thing? Yeah, and I actually saw it. Yeah. And why would I remember him in this most horrible, gruesome of ways? And he says, well, because it's better than not remembering him at all. Yeah. And it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, man, that's that's true. And then she kind of realizes, oh, shit, he's probably right. Like, it's all here. The The roof was leaking when it was raining. It was a rainy night when he died. The stop sign outside their house got stolen. So there's constantly cars almost getting into fender benders, cars honking at each other. So there's mm -hmm. the honk. And, um, and then, you know, you saw your husband because that's what you got to you got to see him because otherwise you don't get to see him. Yeah. Um, throughout the episode, so I think we mentioned Stephen and Shirley. Nell, um, kind of the focus of some of this, um, she seems not to be super stable and um, a little bit of a wild card. And then we see Luke. Is, we're introduced Luke barely um, as a drug addict. Uh, recovering drug addict. Yes. Um, wow. And shown sometimes in the in the past where he... No, wait. No, he... No, it was in the present, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we, we learned that he got his 90-day chip, but then when we actually meet him, he was stealing stuff to sell for yeah. drugs, probably. Well, he, he had clearly relapsed because he was already shaking. Yeah. And he was needing a, another hit to, to get, get back off of that. Right. So, um, and then the final... So we got Theodora, Shirley, Stephen. Yeah, so that's everyone. 
and we see the dad too in, in later times and then it ends with um steven um going to his apartment and nell's standing there and he's like oh everybody. well before before Nell, that's when we get to see him with his brother um which who's trying to steal the ipad and then also a, a camera. camera and he's like look man I tell you what here's 200 bucks out of my own wallet i do need the ipad back you can take the camera but like you, you got to give me the iPad back. Yeah. I, I don't know how you found me, but I take pity on you. And, and his brother's like, it's not what it seems. It's not what it seems. He's like, right. yeah, I hope so. Um, man, uh, this is something that my family's had to deal with a lot. Like, Really? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, alcoholism on my dad's side is oh, yeah, yeah. wrong. And other, I assume, other uh, substance abuse as well. And... Um, you know, with addicts, it's real hard. You have to have this bottomless pit of of compassion because, yeah. because I mean, there's plenty of people who go their entire life as an addict yeah. and are constantly coming back and being like, hey, man, I got 10 days clean. And you're like, who like you're like, who could possibly give a shit about that? I've heard you say that literally a thousand times. Yeah. I've got 30 days clean. I've got six months clean. I've got a year and a half clean. And you're just like, you just basically, they've let you down so, 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 so many times. And it's, I say let you down, uh-huh. but really they're just letting themselves down. Right. Uh, and, and, and it's a very selfish thing to internalize it, make it about you. But, but yeah, I mean, they, this, this show deals with it in a very realistic and, and thankfully a compassionate way um, yeah. with, uh, with the two brothers who are, you know. Yeah, I really lucked out with our um, immediate family that that's we don't have anyone with substance issues. Um, I know my extended family have had people that have died from alcoholism or you know substance issues or you know that stuff, and it's it's herring. I don't know how I would deal with that. Like that sounds like just the worst. I mean, how do you how do you set up like boundaries? You know, in that circumstance, oh. you know, both internally for like, how are you going to emotionally cope with this? And also, how are you going to like practically deal with this person that you you probably can't really trust? Well, yeah, I mean, so this is what Al-Anon and um, and, you know, AA programs are for. Um, you should, de- you know, if if you're listening and you have someone in your life who is who's an addict or uh, who has substance issues. Al-Anon is for you. There are meetings near you. You can go to them and you can you can find out how to cope with it. And the answer is really you you do set boundaries. Um, you you set boundaries and enforce them, and um, according to your ability to help or or not. And and then and then you and then the the biggest thing is just realizing this isn't on you because the addict is going to put it on you. The whole mm. onus, the whole responsibility for everything, they are not responsible for anything in their own eyes. They're literally a machine that's made to get the substance. Right. That's what they've turned into. That's it. There's no responsibility or accountability, nothing. They're just a machine to get the drug. And you are standing in their way and you're constantly pu- tripping them up. And that's not true. That's mm-hmm. what they want you to think, because right. that's the fastest way for them to get more junk. Yeah. And so it's just really on you to just be like, no, and this isn't about me. This is about you. Like, 
don't let them fool you into believing it is about you. It's not. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing you can do to change it. Nothing. You can be supportive to an extent, but keep those boundaries up. It's all on them. You can't do anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that it sets up in this episode, um, that's going to be a specter that looms large, but barely is touched on in this episode is the red door or the red room. Um, and after watching the yeah. show once, like you realize like, okay, this is, Ugh. this is kind of like one of the purposes of the show is the explanation for this room. Yeah. I can't recall what it was either, but, um, like I, I kind of, it's been, it's been the perfect amount of time yeah. because I can barely remember kind of everything, but very vaguely. And so as it gets revealed, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I like, I like this in this episode, how they play with the red room. You got the two little girls who get the skeleton key from the groundskeeper and he's like, try this one. Maybe this will get you in there and they try it and it doesn't work. But, but I love the dialogue between the two girls because the little the little girl of the two says to uh, says to you know the uh, the older girl she says what's in what do you think is in there maybe it's a pony and that's a little kid thought mm -hmm. is, maybe it's a pony and she's like no whatever's this door's been locked for years and years <laughs> if it's a pony if there's a pony in there it's long dead no. right if there's a pony in there it's it's dead for sure and then the little girl comes back with well no I saw a shadow move around in there before right. and it's like. Oh shit! And then when they leave to go get another key, you see the shadow moving around. You're like, yeah. "Fuck, something's in that room." Right? Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I and I love that spiral staircase that goes uh -huh. up like three stories, two and a half, three stories right. to get to it. I love that spiral staircase. If I yeah. could have a staircase like that in my house, I would be, I'd be living large. Man. This show really toes the line of spooky house syndrome. Oh like, yeah, it's like it's my own if you're new to horror movie talk this is my own coined phrase of the horror movies that make the family houses so spooky and dark and like green and evil, evil. at all times yeah, even in super the super dark even in noon daylight it's like it looks like uh you live in a house that was abandoned by a hoarder um, because it's scarier that way <laughs> and uh this kind of toes the line, but it's it's like the one case in where it makes sense, where this is a very old house. It's like a manor. And it's it's totally decrepit. It's being fixed up. Right. Or, it, so in the past, it's being fixed up. And in the f present, it has been intentionally left vacant uh -huh. to rot. Right. And the dad says that in this episode. He says, I, you know... In the past, he's like, listen, he's talking to his lawyer. I want to hold on to the rights to this. I'm not going to sell it to anybody else. I'm not going to let anybody else have to deal with the onus of owning this horrible thing. And it's going to die with us. It's going to rot out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the it is a spooky house. But also, it, it does feel like a real house. It like does. they, when it's there, like it does feel like... You know, it's not scary, spooky yeah. all the time. There's daytime moments and there's times where the kid, the family's just living there, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's, that's nice. I'm trying to, I think, is this based on a true story, The Hill House? No, it's based on a Shirley Jackson novel called The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. It's, um, 
uh, where is the real Hill House located? Barnes Hill House. Show map of Massachusetts. Let's see here. Mm, Brookfield Road, Spencer, Massachusetts. I don't know how, how... Is it based on a real story? I don't know. Let's uh, let's chase this Wikipedia article down a little bit here. Oh, the uh, house in the Wikipedia article is quite large, but it is not uh, it is not nearly as mansion esque as this one. Yeah. Um, it's on the register of historical. No, that's probably not it. Anyway, anyways, so um, really excited to to watch this whole series again. I convinced my wife to watch it with me, so we might have Aaron on some future episodes. My wife! Um, I think she's going to love it. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are new to this show, Aaron is... Well, she must be getting better at watching spooky things. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's it's like pulling teeth, getting her to do it, but she's like... It's not impossible for her to do it, but she will close her eyes at a certain point. What's, and the, also uh, she what's was, the process you got to go through? To she was also sleeping through a lot of it when we were watching it, so that helps her. Um, it's just like wearing someone down with like Chinese water torture. Please, 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 please. <laughs> really? Every time? Still? Every time. Still? Every... Every once in a while, in a blue moon, she'll be interested. She'll be like, "Yeah, okay. oh yeah, I want to see." Like, so the few instances were uh, ready or not. She she volunteered that she wanted to see that. Yeah, that was a, that was a great one. Um, end of list. Okay. <laughs> no, I think there's one or two other ones where she was kind of interested, but really comes down to is there like a female focus? Um, is there some kind of like crossover feel yeah, or something kind of a in this for pop me. culture kind of thing? Yeah. Um, that's that's where she comes into it. But anyways, excited to to revisit this. Hopefully, we'll get all these episodes done in November to release. Um, yeah, and if and if we don't, you know, we'll get a decent chunk of them uh, released at, right. in November, and then probably the rest in December. Yeah. So um, thanks for listening. And going on a journey with us through the haunting of Hill House. Looking forward to it. Um, if you like us, not if you don't like us, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss a miss an episode or miss the uh, regular episodes of Horror Movie Talk. Also, if you're a huge fan of Haunting of Hill House and you want to get someone else into it, uh, share this podcast or this after show with them. Yeah. If you'd like to support the show, like I said earlier, make sure to head on over to our Patreon. Um, you know, also you, you can use code HMT at checkout at either shutter.com. That's S H U D D E R.com. And from there, uh, shutter is, is the premier horror movie and show streaming service. So uh, HMT at checkout will get you 30 days of free streaming on Shudder. And uh, and also HMT at checkout at manscaped.com will we'll, you know, be a nice uh, gift for you know either a husband or boyfriend who needs to keep their balls and body quaffed uh, and, uh, and looking good. Or yourself, if you got a nut sack on yourself, you can, you can keep it all nice and trimmed up um as always just want to thank our friend and um just absolute mensch dustin gobel he's a professional artist that does all the artwork for our regular episodes um he takes commissions from from fans of his artwork so contact him on instagram at dgobel00 that's at d-g-o-e-b-e-l-0-0 um contact him and he can do 
anything for you if you yeah. want like a custom poster he, he's check out his instagram you'll see what he can do and you'll be like i want that yeah and or check out our instagram and you'll see mostly his artwork on there right so um so he's he's just a gem and um thanks to all our patrons like we can't list them all here but you you make this all possible you you keep us motivated um and um please if you want to leave us a voicemail call 682 Two five three four four six eight. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. We love you. Bye.